All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, winter time in Tennessee time, snow on the ground time. Henry Toho Toho didn't know it snowed in Tennessee time. He's going to be miserable the next couple of months time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Going to have the full crew on this episode for the first couple of segments, though. It's going to be me, and it's going to be Patrick Brown, and it's going to be Ryan Callahan. We're going to bring on uh, our resident quasi-moron, Grant Ramey, for the final segment to talk a little bit of Tennessee basketball, because, fellas, Wednesday, big, big, big day for for Tennessee basketball. A five-star bonanza. Signing day, boys. Signing day, boys. Ferda. You didn't have more thoughts on that? No, I don't. It's the open date. It is the open date. I'm also calling BS on Henry Toto and not knowing it, it got cold in Knoxville because his official visit to Knoxville was in January. It could have been one of those uh, Indian summer type of days. There was yeah. something you never know. I don't remember what the weather was like, but uh, I, I enjoyed him. Are you saying, calling him a liar, Ryan? That seems kind of rude. I, I think he just forgot. I think he clearly forgot. I enjoyed him. She was asking about a little bit after he was like, "How can a place where it gets so hot also snow?" I was like, "Well, welcome to Tennessee, son." Well, you know, it's the open date. The uh, one of the main topic of discussions amongst the players during their interviews on two on Wednesday was uh, which of them are better basketball players. So we have it on multiple uh, accounts that Karon Calvert is the best off uh, best basketball player among the offensive line. Now it's worth noting that Karon Calvert and, J- and Juwan Jennings, two of the guys who were asked about this, were high school basketball players. So they're obviously going to be yes. among the better ones. Uh, Callaway's a really good basketball. Daryl Dar- Taylor gave an entire starting five of the football team. His oh, starting really? five was um, uh, himself, of course. Of course, he think he thinks he'd be the the three four maybe on the wing. He said Calvert probably be the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calvert's what six four six five? Yeah, at least six four. Uh, he was good. This was his first interview. He was pretty good uh, on Wednesday. Uh, good. Kid. The rest of Taylor's starting five had Marquez Calloway, who mm-hmm. I've heard is is an outstanding basketball player. He is. Uh, Jamon Jennings, who was an outstanding basketball mm-hmm. player. In fact, I saw a tweet last week of him tomahawk dunking on somebody in the state tournament when he was at Blackman. He like hit a he hit a shot that like helped win a state championship, he, like a final minute shot. I can't remember was he getting offered at all to play basketball? I don't think so. No. He he I mean he he probably could have played somewhere just yeah. wouldn't have been at a very high level probably. And uh, Daryl Taylor's point guard for this this team was uh, Tim Jordan. Ah, Buff Hamster. The Buff Hamster. Wow. Buff, who Buff by, and who, ball handling. Who, by the way, in that Kentucky game, Tim Jordan had three carries. Two of them came uh, in that final minute drive to kind of try to put away the game there. He, he, they had but his, his biggest play was that block. Yes. When he took that, took that poor boy out. Yes, he did. He, uh, he, he Buff Hamstered him for sure. He spends a lot more time in the weight room than Grant. That's for sure. That's for sure. I'm gonna I'm, when we get Ramey uh, on here in about 40 minutes or so. I'm gonna make sure to the, remind him of that. And uh, Calvert also claimed that Marcus Tatum did he play? He played at he uh, Daytona. He's skinny. Right? He had to play Mainland High School. Okay. I think it was. And but yeah, he, I, he it, Calvert's claim was that Marcus Tatum once had a shot blocked by Taco Fall. Yep. Mm. Which, well, I, which if I was him, if I was Marcus, I would have already told everyone that because that would be a badge of honor that this seven foot six guy blocked my shot. It's like when my um, my brother was a student at the University of Tennessee and scored on a 
uh, back when they had Pop Senjai, I believe, the uh, 6'10", 6'11", guy. Uh, and they were playing some pickup ball on the T-Rec, and he scored on him, and he was like, yeah, what's up now? So, yeah, it's uh, these guys do love to play basketball, and we can talk to them about basketball because it is an open day. Now, I think a lot of coaches don't like the don't like the expression bye week because they think there's always something you should be doing. You should always be working on your craft. I hate the term bye week because they're not like advancing in a Yeah, tournament. it's not a bye from a from a playoff round. You're yeah. getting an open it's a date. week off. And we still have to go watch practice and stuff, so it's not like we get the week off. Yeah. Um but it's an open date and, and Tennessee on Monday and Tuesday did not have practice. The coaches got to go out and do some recruiting. A lot of them did. Uh, the, the players had uh, a couple of four-hour study hall sessions, basically, from, from the time they normally would be practicing in that 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. window there on Monday and Tuesday. They were able to catch up or get ahead on some of their academic stuff, which is important because finals uh, come this up here in just a couple we're weeks. About. Yeah, I mean, they <laughs> nominally are student-athletes, right? I mean, that's what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, but the bottom line is Tennessee uh, is in a position right now where it, it can get off its feet for a couple of days before getting back out there uh, and that's really important for this team because Jeremy Pruitt said it said it really well, I, I think, on uh, Wednesday afternoon when he said the Vols have kind of limped into the past two games and limped out of them, and, the, and they were kind of fortunate to win. And, and I think when you look at the overall performance, I think I said this in, in Monday's podcast, but I think Tennessee played better in those losses against Georgia and Alabama than it did in those wins against UAB and Kentucky. Now, part of that is maybe you play up or down to your level of competition. I get that. But a lot of it also is that Tennessee's just banged up. And it is hard when you are more than 20 scholarships down from the, the maximum you can play with. And you are having a lot of those guys who are in, among your 60 healthy players. They're really important players. And they're playing with significant injuries. And these are guys who desperately need to get off their feet for a couple of days. And the, this open date, when you're five and five and you've been playing good football or better football anyway, you can afford to kind of get off your feet for a couple of days and get your legs back. And I think Jeremy Pruitt's done a really good job with this team. Guys recognizing that last season when he kept pushing them so hard throughout the year, that that might have been one of the reasons that they kind of collapsed at the end because they look like a team that just had nothing left in the tank. And I think he's been trying to manage this season in order to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, they, they need to get some guys healthy this week. And, you know, we haven't seen a practice yet, but we'll see who's sort of getting rest days, maintenance days. Uh, if you want to bring NBA terms in here, who's getting some load management this yeah, week? Yeah, load management. Um, I, I would think there are some guys that <clears throat> have been playing through some stuff that uh, probably deserve some some time off from, from contact and being on their feet. Uh, we'll see about Bryce Thompson. Half he's, the O-line, I think. Yeah, the offensive line's got a chance to get healthy with one, you know, one Morris plum ankle jameer johnson jameer johnson's been banged up wanya morris um, banged up yeah i mentioned him darnell it. Wright, uh and then even even calvert was you know had his, had his ankle wrapped up pretty good uh last week in practice so yeah you know um the uh the next open date for a team that comes at a bad time will probably be the first one yeah um that's one of those adages you always hear is that every open date ever has come at a good time uh you can make the case for tennessee that they're playing and getting results that why you know you want to keep playing so you can keep the momentum going but i do think this team legitimately needs uh some time to sort of uh recharge its batteries uh and refresh uh and, I think and that's sort fair. of catch its breath before the final two games and um given that they ran out of gas in the final two games last year i think this is a the perfect time for them to uh to, to have a, a week off and a week to get healthy and get uh and get right yeah i, I think that that you look at half that offensive line, 
has been banged up. And and when you look at some of the things Tennessee's not been doing well the past couple of weeks, one thing that really stands out to me, jumps off the page, is the rushing production. Uh, the, the yards per carry, uh, just it, it's it's really kind of been bad. You, you shouldn't be better on the ground against Alabama than you are against UAB or Kentucky. That, that, that just shouldn't happen. Um, and, and I think that Tennessee's kind of struggles to run the ball against Kentucky. Now, they struggled to stay on the field against Kentucky, so, so maybe we'll never really know. Um, but I think Tennessee just kind of at some points got whipped up front in that game a little bit, and, and that kind of took them by surprise. Um, but it shouldn't be surprising because, you know, Mark Stoops has done a good job of kind of building some size there. They've been able to kind of redshirt some guys, get them through the program, uh, take some guys who were projects and, and get something out of them and turn them into 300-plus-pound kind of behemoths by the time they leave. Um, and you see kind of programs like Wisconsin and stuff do that all the time. And and they've done a pretty good job there on the line of scrimmage. So I think that's, that's important. Um, but when Tennessee needed to at the end of the game, Tennessee won the battles up front. So you know they had the ability to do it, so it wasn't just that they were totally banged up. It had to be some execution issues and some other things. But all of this stuff feels better when you're winning. It's just a lot easier because if Tennessee right now was even, you know, four and six instead of five and five, I think the mentality in this week would probably be a little bit different, wouldn't it? That's a good point. I, I do think it, it changes things a little bit. I mean, not that you have – not that you feel like you have margin for error, but everybody just feels better. You know, you didn't blow one of these last few games uh, where they they had some opportunities to win games clearly against South Carolina, UAB, and Kentucky. But they, even though they were limping into it, they they sort of found a way to to get some wins. And uh, and yeah, there there's you, you feel good enough that I think you feel like you can sort of ease off the pedal a little bit and just give guys a chance to rest. Uh, but you do have to blend those approaches this week. I think you've got to treat it like a a week where you still got some things to get done. You've got to continue to get better. You're a young team that's that's not uh, you know that's not played its best game, as Jeremy Pruitt said. Not even uh, close. I don't think. No, and uh, and the fact that that's still a discussion this far into the season, you know, is concerning on one hand, but on the other hand, still gives you reason to to push going into these final two games and say, hey, look, we can we can play a lot better. We might need to play a lot better to win one or both of these last two games. And if we want to have a shot at winning a bowl game, we need to get better. So you've got a lot of things to still want to improve for, a lot of things to prove. And let's face it, eight and five looks a lot different from six and seven. Even if you make a bowl game, you know, there's a lot of a lot of other things that can swing how the, the rest of this season goes and how it's perceived. So there's a lot for Tennessee still to still to compete for, even though it's not a, a championship on the line or anything. So there, there's a lot to to take into account. But I think you do feel a little bit better sort of, you know, backing off and giving guys some time to rest and heal up from injuries because you've you played pretty well lately, and you maybe have a little bit more margin for error. Before we step away for break here, guys, I do want to mention quickly, we need to discuss the quarterback situation. Uh, I, this is one of those deals where we're going to keep asking, and I think Jeremy Proach just not going to say anything, and why would he at this point? You know, it's just, you know, I'm sure they have an idea what they want to do. Uh, but is it is it weird enough? How weird is it that you have to consider the fact that, like in basketball, you would think, okay, maybe one of my best scores doesn't have to start because it's a 40-minute game and because he'll be fresher at the end of the game. We bring him off the bench. He has energy, and he can kind of go against another team's kind of second-best level defenders. And, and you can really kind of play strategy there, and you can really game the system. We never are trained to think about quarterbacks this way. But with the way Jarrett Garantano has played in games in which he has started versus games in which he has come off the bench – is this going to be the first time where it really has to be considered that maybe this is something they have to look at? 
Well, I think, you know, listening to Jim Chaney talk on Monday at the Knoxville Quarterback Club and listening to Pruitt talk on Wednesday, doesn't sound like either of them is buying the Garantano's better off the bench argument. Um, it kind of sounds like they like him in that role, though, because they he can handle it better than the other guys. So it kind of sounds to me like uh, I, I would think at this point they might lean towards starting Maurer and then having Garantano available uh, in case Maurer struggles like he did against Kentucky where he, he missed some throws and he missed some reads on some RPOs. He should have handled the ball off a couple times when Tennessee had uh, numerical advantages in the box, mm-hmm. whatnot. So, yeah. um, and part of that was rust. Part of that was an experience. Guy hadn't played in two weeks. Um, it's different. You know, you can, you can get ready in, a, in you know, during game planning and practice and, and stuff, but uh, until you get out there and get a feel for the game, it's different. And um, the way Pruitt kind of talked about it on a Wednesday, saying that, you know, they knew they weren't going to get a lot of possessions. They need to be more efficient on offense. So that's why they went to Garantano and, um, you know, it, it's been working. I don't know. Uh, some people have said, well, certainly Garantano has earned the starting job. Now it's worked that they've had him off the bench as an option. And so that, that's a nice thing to have. Um, if you're Tennessee and, and I would think they might continue to, to have that sort of be the way that they, they approach the situation. Yeah. I, I don't know what you do here. It's a, it's an interesting decision because clearly I think now we can say for sure Garantano is part of the plan. It's just, yeah. And, and I do need to, I do need to clarify when I say that, that Purdue and Chady don't aren't buying the off the bench thing. They think he's a good quarterback. overall. Yeah. They, they don't, they're not saying, yeah, he needs to come off the yeah, bench. That, that's, that's more what I meant. Go ahead, Ryan. So, so yeah, I, th- I think it is a tough decision because while you don't want to say that you buy that uh, at the end of the day and you don't want to say that that's your, your plan going forward, yeah, we're going to keep bringing him off the bench. I mean, I do think you have to at some point think, man, why mess with this, with something that's working? And at least so far lately it's, it's been working. So I, I'm i not sure exactly what you do, but, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt made it clear he thinks Garantano is good, you know, would be fine starting games too, so. They, they clearly have confidence in him, and that's the most important thing. And maybe this isn't about – maybe it's just sort of coincidental that it's been because he's coming off the bench. Maybe it, it's just a sign that Garantano's gotten better. He's he Sometimes when you are playing with an injury and you have some limitations like he's had with the hand recently, it causes you to focus a little bit more. And in a way, maybe that's helped him. It's sort of simplified things for him on the field in, in some ways perhaps. I, I don't know, but – no, it's his non-throwing hand, so maybe that's not a factor, but I'm just thinking of what it could be. But um, he's just playing better lately, and it, it may not have anything to do with coming off the bench, so maybe they feel comfortable starting him in this game, and I think that's entirely possible after what we saw uh, certainly at Kentucky and, and over the last few weeks, really. Yeah, I don't know how you handle that situation because it's such a different situation. You know, I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a deal where a quarterback is just infinitely better statistically when he comes off the bench. And there may be no m- – maybe the – the the bottom line here is that if, if Garantano had been starting, he'd be doing the same thing right now because of the, the way he's played um, with one really large exception on that goal line play at Alabama in general with the way he's kind of played since he lost the job the first time. So I don't know how you handle it, but really I, I've always kind of been a guy that if something's not broke, don't fix it. And whatever they're doing now is working. Now you could argue that if they had played Garantano for the full 60 minutes against Kentucky, that the first half would have gone a lot better. We'll never know that, though. I mean, there's no way to know that. But uh, it's a tough situation, and it's one that, to me, it's fascinating that we even have to discuss it because I I, I can't remember ever seeing anything like this. And Have either of y'all – does anything come to mind for any either of y'all? No, I mean, there, there are certainly situations where, you know, two quarterbacks have complimented one another, so there have been – 
you know, situations where you might want a running quarterback to come off the bench or, or a pocket passer to come off the bench uh, or for whatever reason. You know, you had Ainge and Schaefer back in 2004. You know, there have been some situations where you mix and match guys, but never one where it's like, okay, this guy's playing well, but it, he's doing it coming off the bench. Do we want to keep bringing him off the bench? I, I've never quite seen it that way, but, I mean, we, we've seen – you know, again, we've kind of thrown out the baseball analogy before uh, that some some base, major league baseball teams have gone to the 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 format of using an opener and having their starting pitcher, what would traditionally be their starting pitcher, come off the bench and pitch you know six innings in relief or whatever the case might be, yep. like, like a starter. And and this that's sort of what Tennessee you know might envision with Garantano if they continue in this uh, in this in this sort of thought process. So I I don't know what you, what you do. Yeah, like you said, it's a it's a tricky spot, but. I certainly can't think of any similar situations in, in Tennessee's recent memory or really with any team where you say, hey, do you want to shake things up here? And, you know, it's it's usually not a tough decision. Do you want to start your most effective quarterback? Sure, usually. So it's it's not often this happens. You know what else doesn't happen very often? Us having to go to commercial break. It doesn't happen that often. Just, you know, once every, you know, 15 to 20 minutes or so, we got to go do that. So we're going to do that. We're going to step away. We're going to pay some bills. We're, we're going to have you all listen to some uh, products and services and in-house ads and other fun things that are offered on this beautiful CBS network that, that, that we are fortunate to be a part of. And we will be back in just about 30 seconds to 60 seconds because I don't know what's about to be played next. Hashtag. Uh... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. To the Govals 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a second ago. We appreciate everyone who listens to those and doesn't hit the fast-forward button, but you know what? Uh, you're a citizen of the free world, and you can do whatever you would like to do. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. As always with this uh, segment on the Thursday morning episode, we're going to get to some questions now submitted to the Govals 24-7 checkerboard. First one's a pretty good one, uh, and it's not from Haynes 62 this week, so... Way to, go, way to go, sucker. You, you, think, you think it's a bye week? It's not. It's an open date. There's a difference. First question comes from Granger Mater 23 The average age of the parents of Missouri's offensive line. Pat, have you been able to look that up? <laughs> you, you thought about going to Mizzou. Yeah, what does that have to do with this question? You have more of a connection to Mizzou than the rest of us? I, I wouldn't say that. Seems like it. I don't know the answer to that question. Let's guess. I somewhere. do want to give I do want to give Granger credit for beating Haynes to the punch. I'll say somewhere. Shout out Granger Mater. Probably somewhere between forty five and fifty five, maybe. That seems like it's about appropriate. Thereabouts. Thereabouts. Uh, next question. Uh, <laughs> hey, what's the average age of the Govals twenty four seven staff members? Because we all know Ooh. Wes is forty. Who? That's absolutely not true. Great point. I am thirty seven years old, which is three years away from forty. Thanks to uh, Grant Ramey and Mike Wilson for uh, trying to convince Ryan, everyone I you. was forty. I, I, I didn't. Re- why? Why am I on trial here? No, because it, to... because it's the average age of the Goals twenty four seven. Hold on, members. hold on. The average age is probably what thirty three. I would say. 
I'm I'm not telling any of you people how old I am. So, what is what is your deal with this? It's in the it's in the low to mid thirties. Do, 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 do you think we find this like that that again? Th- it that goes we're... back to Ron Swanson when he sets the record for eating the most eggs, and he wants the picture taken down, and the picture is a Polaroid of him, and it just says "man." Do you how have about this? We're all thirty or older, do and you... Wes is. 37 40, so 37 pat, do you have like <laughs> Ryan, a, i think you're right do you have a pat do you have a bunker somewhere at your house and stored up with like lots of like That's none of your business like, like uh like really high preservable items like and what does ron's a, a mom bunch, say bunch water? this is america i don't have to answer questions like this on my property is that what she says you're a prepper you're a doomsday prepper i know you are next question gaffney vfl 89 who's got the best haircut on the vols basketball team and will Eve Pons be the best player on this team this season when this whole thing is said and done? Uh, I've been a believer of, of Eve's Pons. I have not lost faith, and he's roared it with a bunch of three-pointers in two yeah. games. He's the, been their best shooter at the Rock Camp. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be the best player on this team because I still think if you take Lamonte Turner off this team, this team starts hurting in a hurry. Um, because even last night when he didn't or, – or Tuesday night when he didn't shoot well, he had 14 assists and zero turnovers and played almost 40 minutes and, and controlled that game in the second half. So he's not. I don't think he's the best player on the team. Pons will be, but I think he's. Who's the best haircut? One word. Eve Pons. There you go. That's two words, but whatever. Pons. How about that? Shelbyville Vol. Good question here. What are the odds? He's got two questions. First, odds of Jarrett Garantano returning to Tennessee for his senior season, Ooh. and two, if Tennessee finishes the year seven and five and wins a bowl game, do the Vols start next season ranked in the top twenty-five? Uh, I don't know what Garantano is going to do. I'm not sure. I think the odds have improved since he's obviously playing better. Significantly. Uh, yeah. I think over. I think better than fifty-fifty right now. If I had to say, I'm going to say two thirds. Two thirds. I'll say fifty-fifty because he'll either come back or he won't. Um, <laughs> Doomsday prepper over here. Um, I don't think. I don't, I don't know that they'll be ranked at eight and five because they're losing some important guys. Might depend who they uh, who they beat in that bowl game. Yeah. There's recency bias. People think about these things. Yeah, but um, I, I would I would lean towards a doe at this point. Next question from Shelbyville Vol: uh, Is there a more overrated musical act than Garth Brooks, who plays at Neal Stadium on Saturday night? Uh, I have not seen Garth Brooks live, so I cannot comment on how good of a performer he is. I will I will say this: regardless of what you think of his music, he's one of the best live performers I've ever seen. It it is more of a a presentation that yeah. is like I mean it, it's it's he's a, a he's a real showman he really is it's kind he's kind of got a little bit of that old kind of the the Freddie Mercury like the yeah the thing he, that Queen did at shows I was gonna say he grew up every, everything was so big and expansive and he grew up idolizing George Strait but also people like Queen so it's not surprising Kiss so is, it's not surprising is, that he's got a little bit of that to him is he ACDC too I think. is he the greatest showman like Wes was <laughs> when he danced in that competition no one besides we Wes we raised is the so showman. much money for children that night do you have any idea I'm still so mad that I missed that one step I never missed that one step and then we did the performance live and i missed that one you step. buckled under pressure <sighs> next sure, question i sure did um there are plenty of i mean we, we didn't even go down the nickel back and all that they're not they're, they're properly rated as crap no that's fair yeah overrated is hard to <laughs> sorry, say sorry thomas goldcamp but you're wrong you're so wrong <laughs> uh 98 now question if the four of y'all were on survivor who would be the first voted off the island <laughs> uh i think i'm probably the only member of the staff that still watches survivor uh, I never watched it. I guys. watch every single thing that's on the CBS network, Pat. I, that's all I watch. I don't watch any other channels. Great point. Um, I think we would all vote you out, Wes. I don't. Why? That's not true at all. Do you have? I have so much knowledge. <laughs> Are you, you kidding bring me? Down, I think you would bring down morale at camp. How? And you'd be a liability in challenges. How? Well, I, I get the second part because the because the the stroke. I get that, but like, I have knowledge, man. I'm the oldest one. I know things. 
Yeah, the, the old people usually get voted out first. Yep. And I and I was I, I was in the Boy Scouts for a while. Uh, no. Family got farms on both sides of my family. I know the outdoors. You're, you're also the most talkative of the four of us, and the most talkative person always also gets voted out too pretty early. So you want to sit there in the middle of nowhere and have no one to talk to? That's what you want. You prepper. You're a doomsday prepper. That's what you are. I think you're just offended as you are. Next question. <sighs> my vote is not myself going off the island first. I can tell you that. Juwan Juwan Jennings versus Lamonte Turner in hand to hand combat. This is obviously a Haynes 62 question. <laughs> uh, Juwan Jennings and Lamonte Turner in hand-to-hand combat. Who wins? Bonus question. Eve Pons versus Juwan Jennings. Who wins? The answer is always Juwan. Yeah, with Pons, that's tough, man. Pons is a rock. That dude is large. Yeah. He looks like a like an SEC middle linebacker. French. Yeah, but yeah, the, the French are tougher than they're given credit for. True. Next. They're also our, uh, our oldest ally, for what it's worth. Uh, question from Jay Higg, 0531. What's shaping up to be the strengths of the 2020 Tennessee football team? And who God, are you guys? guys, we're not even done with the yeah. we're not even done with 2019. We don't, know, we don't know who's leaving. You just asked about Garantano transferring. Like, if he leaves, that changes His the question team. is about who, what's going to be the strength. I think the defensive line has a chance to be a strength because they bring everybody back. A lot of those guys have improved. Guys like Aubrey point. Solomon and Darryl Mullen have played really well the last few weeks. Uh, they're going to get Emmett Gooden back in there. You know what? The offensive line could be a strength. They I bring agree, back a lot Ryan. of guys. I'm uh, saying the I'm problem saying, with the offensive line though is that they're probably not going to have Trey Smith. Yeah, and he's there. He's but he might be the only one they lose if they get Brandon Kennedy back well, for true. a six year. They it might be everybody but Trey Smith coming back, which it's is not a bad situation. It's an easy answer for me: the cornerbacks. Yeah, that's. I think they're going to be the best position group on the team next, next. season. Uh, he said, "Who are you guys hoping Tennessee gets to play in a bowl game?" Uh, for um, I, I think it would be hilarious to see Grant Ramey cover Lovey Smith. Yes, it would be. <laughs> Yes, it would be. I don't want to cover Indiana. No offense to the Hoosiers. But that if, would be pretty boring. If you're playing Lovey Smith, aka Black Santa, sometime around Christmas and the holidays, does that mean that they have an advantage? Because <laughs> no, he does it, look like Santa. Because Claus. that game's on January second. So yeah, Christmas I know, but it's have... still the holiday season. Um, the uh, Michigan would be the most interesting one. I, I, I would I would take great Ooh. interest in that because I have made my yes. uh, thoughts oh, that, on Jim Harbaugh known well God, publicly. That, that could and be deli- that could be delightfully awkward. I'd pick the Vols, though, that's for sure. Yeah, you'd have to. You would have no choice. Uh, Win and cover. Personally, I think it'd be interesting to see them match up against one of those big physical uh, Big Ten teams. I think that could be a fun matchup. And if they um, end up in the Gator Bowl, they will get one of those Big Ten teams. Yes, they will. Let's just hope it's not Iowa again. But are they, or if they could go six and six and play in Memphis or, I, or I Charlotte, would, they, could go to, they could go to the Belk Bowl or they could go to uh, the Liberty Bowl if they go six and six. Or Music City is still a possibility at that point. Yeah, that's if, one. If, if they win out, I think they're going to the the Gator Bowl because it's a weird year. Or or because, the Outback. I mean, that's well, no, because the, the difference is A and M and Tennessee would be the that next tier of teams if, if the SEC got two in the playoff. Mm-hmm. That pushes everybody else up one bowl game, and that well, it doesn't puts, even. I don't think it matters if they get two in the playoff. They could get four. Yeah, in all of them. Yeah, games. in the Big Six and all that. That that could push everybody up and basically what that means is then you got texas a&m um you know you'd have auburn in the in the capital one or citrus whatever the problem it is, is that a&m played in the gator bowl last season that's what so. i'm saying that's why i think tennessee goes to the gator bowl because i think a&m would go to the outback bowl just because a&m went to jacksonville last season now they have a great fan base and they travel anywhere but i i think um and barring a major upset yeah. the only other sec teams that could be bowl eligible are kentucky and mississippi state but what's interesting- mississippi state's gonna have to beat Ole miss probably given uh, they play Alabama this week, and Kentucky's got UT Martin, Louisville, and Vandy left. So, But I can tell you, the Outback Bowl would probably be more excited to have Tennessee than A&M right now because they feel like that's a more excited fan base at the moment, probably. But, but uh, A&M went to Jacksonville last year, so that, that could be a problem. Uh, next question. Next question. Should we go to another question? 
We will. CPA Vol with a question here. Uh, Mizzou is 5-0 and at home, 0-4 on the road. Beat a pretty good South Carolina team at home and lost to an awful Vandy team on the road. Do you believe Mizzou is a manifestation of sports karma because of the 2019 World Series <laughs> and the home team losing every game? Um that's that's an interesting point. I, I hadn't broken down their schedule enough to notice that, but it's it, it, it it's one of the reasons I don't think you can just you know even though Missouri's not been playing well, I don't think you can look at that as a game Tennessee like should win. It's still going to be a tough one on the road, and they've they've won at Missouri what once since they joined the SEC. Yeah. So so once all time. So. And I and I think if Mizzou's healthy, Mizzou can score. Now we'll see what's going on with Kelly Bryant and all that because that could play a, a big big deal in there. A uh, question from Granger Mater twenty three. A, a variation of the question we just heard about: Would Tennessee start the season ranked if it went seven and five and won a bowl game? Uh, question: If Tennessee went seven and five and won a bowl game, do does Tennessee end the season ranked? And I say yes. Uh, eight and five. It would be really close. Uh, the fact eight, that, eight and five. I think they get in because they 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 have been one of the hotter teams around at that. Point. I was gonna say it depends. It just depends on how many four loss teams you have because not many teams get you know it. The the polls are done very lazily a lot of times. It's you know the four loss teams get in over the five loss teams in most cases. It would depend on whether they beat a quality opponent in the bowl game. I think most people would see Tennessee's schedule as kind of lose you know lacking in marquee wins because they haven't beaten a ranked opponent unlike last year. So I would say. 50-50 at best, probably no. I would I would lean slightly toward no. But the fact, like you said, that they would they would have finished the season strong makes that a possibility. Uh, we'll go lightning around a couple of these final ones here, guys, because we got to step out of here. Uh, question uh, from Big Sexy Vols: Why would Jarrett Garantano not transfer if he chose not to transfer? And I think the reason is pretty simple: He thinks he can play and he thinks yeah. he can help, and uh, he'd rather not go learn a new offense and under a new coaching staff, another new coordinator. You know, after fighting through everything he's fought through here, I could see why he may want to go. Uh, but I think there's also just as many reasons, if not more, reason to stay because he feels like these guys have his back, and you know, he, he feels like he understands the system and. You know, I think that, that that would be the reason not to. Well, he's got firsthand knowledge, too, of things not being necessarily better. I mean, Keller Chris came to Tennessee and mm-hmm. never started a game. So you, you just don't know what, what's out there, and he knows what, he, what the situation is at Tennessee. I can answer this one really quickly from James Govals. How bad is Vanderbilt, and will Tennessee win this year? Yes, Vanderbilt is that uh, bad, really, really bad, and yes, Tennessee will beat Vanderbilt. It's all about quarterback play. Vandy doesn't have one. That's true. Uh, they got a lot of holes, but quarterback's definitely one. Uh, Titan Blue Govals, Tennessee players drafted in rounds one through seven, not as an undrafted free agent, over or under on four. Um, you have to set an over under at point five. Usually, yeah. Because it can't be, come on, guys. Come on, man. You got to set an over under at point five. That way you can't, you can't push it. Uh, if it's, uh, I would say, Taylor's drafted. If Smith goes, he's drafted. Um, you know, I, I think, it, you know, at least one of Callaway or Jennings, if not both, get drafted probably. Um, I think one of them. I don't think both as of right now, but we'll see. I, I, think, I think they both have a chance. I, I think I think they'll work out pretty well. They both have a chance. I see. I think Jennings won't won't run that fast, but we'll. If he surprises me on that, he has a chance to prove me wrong. He's also such a unique player, though, that I think someone. Will. I think I think Callaway is the one more likely to get drafted because he's versatile. He's got more better speed. I think he'll test well. But uh, Jennings has the production, though. So I'll tell you one to keep on your radar, though, is Warrior because of the way yeah. he's been playing lately. The I think that I would never in a million years have thought that going into the season. But now I, I'll say if it's over or under four, um, I I think it would be right at four, um, but five is possible. That's, yeah. 
that's where I, I, where I see it. I'd set the over under at three and a half or four and a half, like you said. Got to be on a half. Yeah. Uh, okay, guys. A couple more really quickly here. Uh, like the team. This is from Hain sixty two. Does the GoVols twenty four seven staff use the bye week to rest, unwind, and catch up on work, or is it the same old, same old for y'all? It's the same old, same old for me because it's also basketball season. But I, that's just for me. Uh, yes, usually uh, we we took a brief vacation the first open date, and this one we're I mean we're just kind of relaxed, but. You know, we're going to freeze and see Garth Brooks Saturday night, so there's that. A uh, question from UT Bull. Can this Tennessee basketball team develop into a tournament team? Uh, yes, I think it can. I don't know if it will, but I, I think that it absolutely has the ability to do that. When you look at – can it be one of the best 35, you know, all – all um, one of the best 35 kind of at-large teams? Yes, it absolutely can because they're going to play good schedules, so they're going to get a lot of good choices. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's at least a borderline team, I think. At least yeah, right because there. they're going to play a tough schedule, and if they win a couple of those games and do decent in SEC play, then boom, they're in. So I think that's yep. – and I'm not going to answer this question, but it did make me laugh enough to where uh, I'm going to at least mention it. Loud Noises says, okay, if Will Muschamp is fired and if Florida State hires Mark Stoops and if Arkansas hires Gus Malzahn, does that mean Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. I'm not going to answer that. Not touching that one. But I'm not going to answer that, but I will. I did want to read it out loud because uh, he had like a really long ellipsis there. This is from Loud Noises, and you had to scroll down for a long, long time to see the final punchline, and uh, that was pretty good. That 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 was, uh, that, that was a pretty good one. And I lied. One more, Ryan. This is from UT Bull. Is Baron a vol or no? Uh, I, I honestly, I don't feel good enough about it to say anything definitively right now. I think that one's really, really Sissy. interesting. Sissy. No, I just, I, I'm not going to be cornered into making a pick on something like that. That's that much up in the air. I think it really, really could go either way. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't end up at Tennessee. I I've said I, all along, I think at the end of the day, he Tennessee should be viewed as the team to beat, but I, I'm not convinced he ends up at Tennessee right now thanks for the questions guys as always we're gonna take a quick break pay some bills go listen to some uh, products and services and in-house ads and all that other good stuff from the CBS family of networks and podcast networks and all that good stuff and we're gonna come back uh, and it's gonna be me and it's gonna be our quasi uh, quasi basketball expert quasi moron uh, quasi excellent driver Grant Ramey and we'll be talking a little bit of Tennessee hoops excellent driver Quasi excellent. Just just kind of depends on the day. He did almost hit a mailbox once. Hashtag. Uh, eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard a second ago. Uh, we appreciate those who listen to them and don't just hit the fast-forward button. If you, if you do hit the fast-forward button, though, 
Uh, that is your right to do that as a citizen of the free world. As promised before the break, we're now joined by Grant Ramey, our trusted, esteemed colleague at Go Vols 24-7 to talk a little Tennessee basketball. Grant, we're going to talk about a, a, a really big Wednesday national signing day for Tennessee. I guess you would say not, maybe not the, the national signing day, but the, the start of the national signing period. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, but first, let's discuss that Tennessee-Murray State game. That was a, a game that Tennessee won by 20 points or so. Uh, did not look like it was going to go that way for a while. That game was certainly much, uh, much more complicated uh, than that. It was a game Tennessee trailed by, I believe, 11 points there in the second half and then just kind of steamrolled toward the end. What were your thoughts? Yeah, it was a, it's a test they needed for sure. Uh, Murray State 100% looked like the better basketball team uh, in the first half. And, and the way they were dominating the glass, I think they won the rebounds 22-10 to 10 in the first half. The way they were uh, hitting at the three-point line, I think they made 8 of 14 in the first half, something like that, and, and led by 11 and uh, almost led wire to wire in the first half. Uh, and, and this Tennessee team, obviously, everybody still has a million questions about who's going to do what and, and how consistently those players are going to do it with all these new faces. Uh, and they found answers in the second half. Uh, even when Lamonte Turner had a bad night shooting the basketball, he went two for 12. He still had 14 assists and no turnovers. That's the most assists by a Tennessee player, I think, since 1994. Yeah, LaMarcus Golden in 1994. Right, which is pretty wild. Uh, and when you think about you know, the, the player Lamonte's been over the years, he's a, he's a guy that almost lives and dies by his shot. But last night uh, against uh, Murray State, he found a way to be effective. And then Jordan Bowden, the way he lit it up, uh, in the second half, he had, he had 19 points in the second half, and, and Murray State only had 19 points in the second half. They outscored him 47-19 after halftime. And then Eve Pons, the guy that uh, he just kind of keeps looking like that third scorer, the best three-point shooter they have. He keeps knocking down shots. He looks like a completely different player. So they got tested in a big way, and, and they found answers in a big way. Yeah, I think it was important for this team uh, that Jordan Bowden could say, listen, get on my back and let's go. Uh, I think that's something this Tennessee team kind of – kind of needed to know would be there because you, you, you never really know. Um, you know, Bowden's a guy who has the ability to do that. Now, whether he's always had the mindset to do that is, has been the question. Uh, but this team needs him to do that, and I think it was important uh, for him and, and for the team that he went out and did that. Uh, but what my question now, Grant, is I'm not so much talking about that Murray State game because I do think Murray State's a pretty decent basketball team. I know John Morant left, but there's still some good players there. And I think that team would scare a lot of good basketball teams. I think that team uh, has a chance to get back to the tournament uh, and maybe even win a game. I think it's a pretty solid team. Uh, and I think it's got a really good coach in uh, Mac, uh, Mac, Mac Mahan, I should say, if I can get his name out of my mouth. I think he's a good basketball coach, a uh, Knoxville area native, and he's done a good job with that program. But my question is this. We've now seen a couple games where Lamonte Turner struggled early to find his shot. Uh, he did that in both games. And, and then – in the second one, he, he never really got it back. And, and Rick Barnes said something interesting after the game. He said that Lamonte Turner is having shoulder issues yet again. Uh, by my count, I think he's had maybe three shoulder surgeries since he's been at Tennessee. We know he's tough. We know he can play through it. But if that thing's going to keep affecting his shot like Rick Barnes says it is, that's that's worrisome, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it sure is. And, and when we asked Lamonte about it after the game, after Rick had mentioned it, uh, he kind of kindly – politely said, I don't want to talk about my shoulder. Uh, don't, I don't want questions about my shoulder or whatever. Move on to, to whatever's next. And, and that's what happened. But, yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a troublesome uh, sign just two games into the season. And when you go back to last year, you know, he didn't basically didn't make an appearance before SEC play started. He wasn't really a factor until January. Uh, I think he might have came back for one of those games in Brooklyn for the preseason uh, NIT, and, and then he was back sidelined again. So, yeah, that's uh, that, that's obviously not something they can afford 
to have slow him down uh, based on the, the, the minutes he's going to have to play and, and just the role he's going to have to play. This offense is going to run through him until further notice. Josiah Jordan-James has struggled so far. He doesn't look very comfortable. I don't know if it's because he's playing off the ball and he's more accustomed to being on the ball at a point guard or what's going on there, but uh, this team has to have Lamonte and Turner and Jordan Bowden be absolute Ironmen in terms of minutes, in terms of production uh, from the start of the season till the end. And if that shoulder's creeping up and, and bothering him again, that's a, that's a big, big deal for this Tennessee team. Yeah, and I think it, it said a lot that Lamonte Turner didn't want to talk about it because normally he'll go out there and talk about anything. And, and the fact that he didn't want to say anything, I, I think it's – I'm not trying to ring alarm bells here, but I think that needs to be – uh, I think everyone needs to understand that is a concern. That's a real concern, and that's something that, that we're going to have to monitor going forward. And I think it's a good point you made about James just then. I, I think he's used to being a, a ball-dominant guy, and, and he missed so much time in preseason camp, you know, six weeks or whatever it was with that hip injury. And, and we kind of knew that Lamonte Turner was going to be the, the most ball-dominant guy on this team. Um, but there have been questions about, well, maybe you could put James more on the ball and you could put kind of Lamonte Turner off the ball and let him do his thing. Uh, where he can obviously play both of those spots. Uh, but I think the reason you can't do that right now is because Lamonte Turner's doing a pretty darn good job running the offense. So I think Josiah Jordan-James is going to have to adjust and, and know that at least in the short term, uh, he's going to have to get used to playing off the ball. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of the, the dilemma they're in. I mean, last year, I guess the last couple of years, when Lamonte would kind of get some time at point alongside Jordan Bone, when you watched him, it felt like he was better off the ball than he was on the ball. And and that would be fine with Tennessee if that was the case right now because then you could shift Josiah back to point guard where maybe he's a little bit more comfortable and maybe he's a little bit more uh, productive early on and, and, and is doing more for this team right now. Uh, but when Lamonte's got 14 assists and no turnovers, you can't take him off the ball. It doesn't matter if he shoots two for 12. This team's going to have to have him make shots throughout the year. Uh, but if, if there's a night where he's cold and he's got 14 assists, that's obviously more than making up for uh, his lack of scoring. Uh, so it's hard to take the ball out of his hand. But uh, if that shoulder is an issue, if he does need to be sidelined for any amount of time, if you do need to kind of, uh, I don't want to drop the term load management, but manage his minutes uh, with that shoulder, then maybe Josiah is the option you go to. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm surprised, just like everybody else, that Josiah has kind of been as quiet as he has been to this point. And it's going to be interesting to see how quickly he can make it click and connect and maybe slow down a little bit and, and be productive because right now he doesn't really look comfortable out there. Yeah, if they have to do load management with Turner, I mean, I, I, I'm i not a doctor. I, I don't know what the situation is. I, I don't know kind of what his timetable is or anything on or what the, what's bothering him now, if it's the same thing or what. But I got to think if it's a load management thing, you'd want to take care of that as quickly as you could. <laughs> because you're going to need him down the stretch. You know, it's not like these games right now don't matter because you ask the committee, they absolutely do matter. Uh, but I, I still wonder, you know, he's a tough kid. He'll play through anything. He'll he'll go out there and play with a, you know, broken bone if he has to. He's just that tough of a guy. But, you know, I, I wonder what they're going to have to do uh, about that situation. That That's something to, to manage for sure. But I, I think overall the way that they responded in that game – uh, to me, that said something because that was a game where you kind of kept wondering, okay, are they going to turn it on? Are they going to turn it on? And and was that going to be the first night that you would see, oh, wait, uh, there is no Grant Williams. There is no Admiral Schofield. Somebody else has got to do this. Uh, and in a night where Lamonte Turner shoots two for 12 or whatever he did, you know, for them to score 80-plus points on anybody with Turner doing that, 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 that says a lot to me. And that says that something about that culture and that program where they're still going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, it says a ton because this team 
until further notice doesn't have any answers. Uh, when you're sitting there watching them last night, you're wondering, like you said, where's that answer going to come from? Uh, and when you're watching those games, you can kind of feel it. Once it gets to a certain point, it, it's almost like the point of no return. Uh, when K.J. Williams, uh, the, the Murray State forward, with about 17 and a half left in the game or something like that, uh, I don't know what happened if there was a play breakdown or whatever, but he had, basically had a run at the rim, and he had a huge two-hand dunk uh, right there in front of us where we sit, and I think that put them yeah. up 11 or 12. And right there, it kind of started feeling like, man, is this team going to just kind of roll over and, and let this happen, uh, or are they going to wake up? And, and they went on a little bit of a run, Jordan Bowden, uh, started hitting a ton of shots, and Lamonte Turner kind of slowed down and started really running the offense and finding who he needed to find. And they got big possessions and, and big blocks from guys like Eve Pons and uh, some some buckets from John Fulkerson down low, and they dominated the glass after they got dominated on the glass in the first half. So uh, this team found a, found an answer, and, and that's the first time they've really been challenged. Uh, and, and if you're Rick Barnes, if you're a Tennessee basketball fan, it's got to be encouraging to see them uh, respond the way they did against a good basketball team. Yeah, and I thought uh, Olivier Kamwa did some good things too. You know, he 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 chucked up one shot he shouldn't have, but you know, he he more or less I, I think made some adjustments in the second half and started defending better. Got a couple buckets inside, uh, was assertive and uh, around the rim on both sides. I think he did some good things, and I thought you know to to give Josiah Jordan James some credit, he stepped up there and hit a tough three when Tennessee needed something. So you know those guys, you, you never think of James as a shooter really, but hey, that was a a confident shot when Tennessee needed something right there. So I, I think that stuff's important. I think Jalen Johnson hit a couple tough shots. I, I, I think there, there's reason to believe this this season can be okay, but we'll see. Um, but to switch gears a little bit, we know that the, the conversation for this season was, was this going to be a transition season or would this be kind of a continuation season? Because we know what kind of talent – and what kind of players Tennessee has had the past few years. And and now we know what kind of caliber player is coming into Tennessee next season uh, because Tennessee looks like it's polishing off, you know, one of the, if not the most talented signing class in program history. Uh, as of the time we're recording this, we're still waiting on one of those final pap paperwork uh, deals to come across the line. But it looks like everything's going according to plan and Tennessee's having a, a, a whopper of a signing class. Yeah, it's, uh, as far as my research can find, uh, during the 247 Sports era or during the, the ratings era in terms of uh, prospect ratings, this is the best class Tennessee's ever put together uh, with the, the two five-star shooting guards, Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson, and then the four-star Corey Walker, the small forward uh, out of Jacksonville. Tennessee announced uh, so far Corey Walker and Keon Johnson. They haven't announced Jaden Springer yet. Uh, he signed Wednesday morning uh, in a... Uh, in a very crowded uh, ceremony at IMG Academy with with a million other D1 athletes, you you know how how they put out oh, yeah. athletes. But this is this is three top 40 prospects. This is two five stars, obviously two elite shooting guards. Uh, I think in 2006 and 2008, Tennessee had the number six class nationally. Uh, this class, as it stands right now, is number four nationally, uh, and the teams in front of them uh, are Duke, Kentucky, and North Carolina. I mean, if if that's not you know, the Blue Bloods, or the Blue Bloods, uh, I don't know what is. So where Tennessee is with this class, and it's been, you know, fairly uh, drama-free. They they got Corey Walker, you know, back in March, a long, long time ago. They got Keon in August. It didn't really surprise a ton of people that he picked Tennessee uh, over Ohio State, and they got Jaden uh, a, a couple weeks back, and it wasn't really a, a huge surprise that he picked them over uh, Memphis and Michigan. So the work they've put in, the, the continuity they've had with these kids over the years, 
uh, it's paid off in a big way, and, and they're cashing in big time on, on the success they've had. Yeah, and, and as someone who was around the Tennessee basketball program at that point, I'll say that that, that 2006 class was, was ranked sixth nationally, and, and it had some, some big, big-time players in that class. I think there were three top 40-ish players that were in that class. But it also needs to be said, I, I was around for both of those, uh, th- this signing class now and the one then. The one then, there were a few more issues with a couple of those big-time talents. I think a couple of those guys um, had some academic concerns. There were some kind of character red flags with a couple of those guys. A couple of those guys kind of fell to Tennessee in a way. Um, and, And then a couple of them who ended up having some behavioral issues in high school ended up having behavioral issues at Tennessee, too, and and weren't able to finish their career there. This class, to me, what makes it so different is, one, on paper, it's a better class anyway. But two, uh, these are guys who pretty much everybody wanted. I mean, this wasn't a deal where, you know, you had a guy who was going to go to UConn and then he had some some red flags pop up and then he goes to Tennessee. This wasn't one of those deals. This was a deal where pretty much everybody wanted these guys. Yeah, and, and I mean, Jaden Springer's a Charlotte kid, so going into the state of North Carolina and getting a five-star player, a kid who's ranked number 16 nationally, uh, I mean, that's that's pretty incredible, uh, the work they've put in. And obviously they have a connection there with the, the Bobby Mazes, uh, B. Mays Elite AAU program. Uh, that's been very productive for them over the years. Drew Pember was also a member of that, uh, that program, and, and they've been really productive in the state of North Carolina going over there and picking kids out. Grant Williams was a Charlotte kid. John Fulkerson was over there at at Christ School in Asheville, uh, and Keon Johnson, you know, the number one prospect in the state staying at Tennessee, uh, that's a big deal. And, and the way he's climbed uh, and the way Tennessee has stayed on him, I mean, they've been on him pro- probably since he was a freshman in high school, uh, and what he's done recently, how his trajectory just kind of keeps going up, how he's won uh, MVP awards at these t- Team USA mini camps in Colorado, uh, that's a big deal. He's, he's probably the best two-way guard in the country in terms of uh, the athlete he is on the offensive end, uh, and how good he is on the defensive end. People absolutely rave about his defense. And, and Jaden Springer is a big physical kid, 6'5", 195, that can score at all three levels, uh, an absolute game changer. And, and Corey Walker is another kid, too. It looks like he's ready to step in uh, and do something from day one at, at another kid that's like 6'6", 200-pound range. I mean, these are, these are big physical kids that are ready to go, and you're talking about uh, a year from now. Uh, you might be talking about, you know, kind of trying to project where these guys are if they're lottery draft picks, if they're first round, if they're second round, because uh, that's the kind of talent uh, Tennessee's bringing in. Yeah, I will say this, though, before we step out of here, Grant, is that I, I think when you look at it, the, that's an incredible class. I think it does need to be supplemented a little bit. Uh, I think you could argue uh, for a point guard there. I think you could argue, uh, definitely argue for a big man there. If you're Tennessee – do you think that you're leaning toward just getting one more guy? Do you think you're going to try to get two and make the numbers work? And, and what positions are you looking at, if you are Rick Barnes? Uh, I mean, if you go and add two more, they had three scholarship openings. They, they've signed three players. Uh, I think the general consensus is they're at least going to try to get a fourth, and they're going to worry about the numbers you know, in the spring when they have to worry about them. But with the amount of tra- attrition in college basketball – uh, and the transfer market being what it is, you just assume there's going to be a, a departure from every roster. Uh, if they went two, it would be a little bit more difficult. Uh, they are bringing in a, a another you know another European point guard on an official visit uh, in a couple weeks, uh, maybe next week. Uh, Evan Daniels, uh, the director of recruiting for 247, uh, he, he reported a couple weeks ago that Santiago Vescovi, uh, I believe he's Uruguayan point guard, 6'2", 175. He's been at the one of the NBA academies uh, overseas. He's really impressive if you watch him 
watch his tape on film. So that's somebody that they could get in the mix for. And obviously they're still uh, trying with Dylan Cardwell. The, I think he's a three or four star big man, 6'10", uh, kind of rim protector, defensive uh, big guy. I think Georgia's a little bit trending with him. Uh, he's a Georgia kid, so that would make sense. But Tennessee's obviously uh, still going to be trying there. But uh, those are those are kind of the first two names to watch uh, if they do add those. I would be surprised if they added two, but you know it's recruiting. You never say never, uh, and you never know what you're going to be facing in the spring uh, with the roster turnover. You also never really know what you're going to be facing when you go north of the border uh, this time of year. And Grant, uh, you looking forward to? Uh, and I hate that I'm not going up there with you, with you, good buddy. But uh, you looking forward to uh, temps in the teens? I've, I've freshened up on my Canadian. Uh, I'm gonna take uh, uh, I'm gonna take a translator so I don't get lost or anything. That's true. Um, that's about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna wear some flannel, turtleneck. A lot of heat escapes from the neck, so yes, yeah, it's true. Got to take care of that and uh, get the maple syrup ready and the poutine and uh, all those other stereotypes I can't think of. You do lose a lot of heat in the neck, so just <laughs> make sure you pack a lot of denim. Make sure to pack a turtleneck, and uh, if you can remember this, uh, try to. Um, you know, try to have a good time and don't forget your passport. Ask, don't forget your passport. Ask, ask for the puppers, right? And the yes. Gusson brew. Ask for the puppers and for the Gusson brew. Well, I appreciate it, Grant. We'll, uh, I think we'll step away here and go to break and then we'll come back and get out of here. So, uh, 10 4, good buddy. Have a good weekend. I'll see you overseas. <laughs> I think some people might, uh, might disagree with you saying Canada's overseas, buddy. But, uh, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I guess technically it's overseas. It, it, it's a different country, it's a foreign land. I don't know how exactly you would say that. But anyways, we're going to step away for just a quick second. We're going to pay some bills, going to get to some uh, products and services and in-house ads and all those good things, and uh, we'll come back and get out of here. Hashtag Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads or whatever else it is you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, we appreciate those who listen to the commercials rather than just skipping past them. But if you're one of those people who does that, that's your right as a citizen of this free world. Guys, we're about to step on out of here. But before we do that, I just want to say one thing really quickly. Uh, if you are a Go Balls 24-7 subscriber or 24-7 sports subscriber, you don't have to be a, a subscriber to, to Go Balls 24-7. Uh, we certainly wish you were. Uh, but if you're you know, an Alabama or Kentucky or Georgia fan or somebody who just listens to all these podcasts, regardless of which team that you cheer for uh, or you support, you can go get really good coverage from 24-7 sports. You can sign up right now. Uh, you can get 30% off of an annual subscription. And if you do that, if you do that, you get right now free access to CBS all access. And again, I mentioned this in, in the most recent few podcasts. I'll mention it again in this podcast. But if you do that, guys, you get access commercial free to everything in the CBS catalog. That's everything from, for, you know, CBS sports wise. That's SEC football. That's live NFL football. Uh, that's some World Series of Poker stuff uh, coming up in, in just a year, I, I guess, or so. It's going to be the, the UEFA Champions League is going to be on CBS. So there's going to be tons of stuff there for sports. But it's not just sports. Uh, you can go there and catch all those those CBS shows that all y'all love, your Survivors and NCISs and all those shows. You can get access to every single one of them, commercial-free, 
24-7. You can also get some movies that are on there. Uh, the, the, the movie catalog, you know, refreshes every month or so. So there's some podcast stuff on there. There's tons of stuff for CBS All Access. And if you're a member of 24-7 Sports or Go Vols 24-7, in perpetuity, as long as you subscribe to us, you will get free access to CBS All Access. And I'm telling y'all, our price point is not going up. Our price point is staying the exact same. We're just giving this to you. It's a $100 annual value. We're putting it in your pocket, no strings attached. Just sign up to be a member of our site. Uh, you go do that. We'll send you the link, and you can kind of go to the site and figure it out and just do a couple of quick quick links. I think we call them electronic handshakes, basically, and you go right into the CBS All Access Vault, and you are good to go. So don't miss that opportunity. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't miss that opportunity. CBS All Access, access for free if you just subscribe to our site. Pretty easy, right? If you were on the fence about this, get off the fence. Get off the fence. $100 in your pocket. We're just giving it to you. No strings attached. Go do that. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Uh, if you want to get all the Tennessee news on social media, but you don't want our personal stuff that's out there for all of us who, who work on the staff, boom, we got that solved for you too. Go to twitter.com slash govals 24-7 or go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7. Grant does an excellent job with our Facebook page. We give him all kinds of grief, but he's really, really good at his job and really good, uh, especially at the stuff on Facebook. He's done an awesome job there. So go check that out, twitter.com slash govals 24-7 or facebook.com slash govals 24-7. All Tennessee news, all the time all day long refresh it boom we're right there or if you want to drink your water directly from the hose you want to go right to the source easy go to govals247.com govals247.com 30% off an annual subscription right now go be a VIP member if you like this podcast our website is 24 hours a day 7 days a week basically a written form of this podcast I got all kinds of Tennessee news and analysis and stories that you will not see anywhere else we got video we obviously have this podcast we have all kinds of things you know great access that we have to the people over there we will give you news that you will not get anywhere else and analysis you won't get anywhere else so go do that go vols 247.com and if there's no big breaking news over the weekend and knock on wood hopefully there isn't uh, we will see y'all on monday morning see you